Alright, welcome Cougar fans. This is uh, the editor with BlueCougarFootball.com, and I'm joined today with a special guest, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, how are you tonight? I'm well, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, just with the 2011 season wrapping up, uh, uh, we're just going to ask Greg Rubel some questions about the season and just some uh, general questions about uh, BYU football and the state of the program at this time, point in time. Uh, first of all, Greg, at BYU, we all know they finished 10-3, and three, uh, ranked number 25 in the coaches poll, USA Today. Um, but there's still, you know, there's a, a feeling of disappointment among many over the, the season, and uh, a lot of people don't think, you know, that it, the, even though it's a 10-3 and three record, that uh, it was a very good year. Uh, what what value do you see if there was any in this uh, ten and three record? Well, uh, you know, I I don't know how many you know it, you do feel that way, and, and, and how, how we would quantify you know of of, of BYU's expansive fan base. You know how many are or are not you know satisfied with with ten and three, but I don't think there's any other way to look at it other than the fact that um, you know a stretch of of, of five ten win seasons in six years has only, uh, you know, been accomplished a, a very small handful of other times in, in BYU football history. Uh, you know, back when they were throwing the football like, like really nobody else was in the 80s primarily. And so it, it's tough to win that many games that consistently, regardless of, of, of the teams on your schedule. And, and, and the one thing I think that BYU is doing a good job of avoiding uh, are, are those games that used to come up and bite BYU, maybe with, uh, maybe with annual regularity. Uh, you know, back back in earlier years, the games where you really wouldn't expect to lose, but somehow you do. And BYU doesn't have too many of those. You know, they, they they're, they're occasional, but they're not so frequent. And I, and I think, yeah, there are a couple of games you want to have back from this year. But looking at where BYU was at one and two uh, to win nine of their last ten games is, is an accomplishment, especially while reconfiguring the offense as they as they went along. Um, you know, they didn't do 10-3 and three with, you know, with the same quarterback or a senior quarterback. They did 10-3 and three while changing quarterbacks midstream with a new offensive coordinator. So I really applaud BYU for scrapping out 10 wins when the season could have gone drastically the other way. So I look at the season as a success. I think, I think 10 wins is a success in any year, but especially this year because of where they were at 1-2 and two and how easily they could have been, you know, 1-3 and three or 1-4. Or by the end of September uh, without some fortuitous occurrences. And so things could have really, really gone south, and they did not. And for that, I applaud BYU and give them a great deal of credit for this year's 10-win season. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up uh, the, the fact that BYU isn't losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. You know, because I went back, I looked at the, the other 10-win seasons that BYU's had, and in 1994... I mean, I found it's very similar to this year in in several ways. I mean, there's the other ways, like uh, changing quarterbacks, like you mentioned, where this year is rather unique. But in 1994, you know, BYU lost to Arizona State, and they lost pretty bad. And Arizona State was a three-win team. They went three and eight that year. But uh, we don't we we don't remember that because you know we also had the win over Notre Dame. So basically, you know. 
uh, you know, if, if people want to swap losing, let's let's swap the win to Oregon State and let's lose to Oregon State and then we can trade that for a win against Texas and then it is very similar. I mean, how many people would uh, would do that? You know. So, and, and, and and you know, you, you bring up the '94 season. And, and that followed a 6-6 six and six year, which followed an 8-5 and five year, which followed an 8-3-2 year, which followed another 10-win year, three or four years prior. So, again, it's not just a 10-win season. It's having to do it kind of year in and year out. If there's one thing I've learned doing this, and maybe more so now than ever, it, it's just hard to win games. Every, every game is, is, is an accomplishment. If you, can, if you can call it a W at the end of the day, it's an accomplishment. Now, granted, you are going to play certain games. You simply have to win. Uh, when you play New Mexico State, Idaho, Idaho State, you do simply have to win those games. But there's effort involved in every Saturday or Thursday or Friday. And I'll never, I'll never take wins for granted, um, you know, have, having seen how, how hard it is to get it done on a week-to-week basis, uh, especially nowadays when it seems that, uh, that, that well, well, the pressure has increased on coaches and players, the ability um, to do their jobs more effectively has also increased uh, with technology and with the size and speed of athletes, you know, finding that there are, there are more better teams out there than maybe there were uh, in the mid '80s or even mid '90s. Yeah, those those are other those are great points too. Um, so besides what you brought up about uh, overcoming the adversity of changing quarterbacks and and the other things you mentioned, what what other highlights are there from this year that we should celebrate? Well, I I, I think that that what you found was a quarterback that helped change the identity of a team. And that, to me, was really instructive. I, I didn't think, or rather, I learned a lot more about Riley Nelson than I thought it was possible to learn, and in turn, about the dynamics of a football team. And, and that, to me, was one of the, uh, the accomplishments of this year, was how an entire team identity was, was modified and then fortified around a player that his, his own head coach was trying to make into a safety last spring, we find out. Uh, you know, Bronco Mendenhall met with the reporters today, and he said that, that he and Coach Nick Howell were trying to make Riley Nelson into a safety last spring. And it was Riley that said, no, I'm a quarterback. It kind of forced them to keep him in the mix. And it wasn't until BYU struggled so mightily at the start of the year that, that Brandon Doman, to his credit, actually considered making a change and, and putting Jake Heaps on the bench. And that really changed the season and changed the, the chemistry of the team. And, and so while I wouldn't necessarily say um, it, it, it's an achievement to celebrate, it was it was an observation that to me was much more profound than I thought it ever could be. And, and then watching the way that Riley changed the team's approach on offense, I think was something to celebrate. Um, he's an exciting player. And not only an exciting player, an effective player. And effective when it mattered, which meant on third downs. You know, what's more important than, than keeping a drive alive? And Riley could do that by virtue of his skills. Uh, skills that, that BYU didn't think it would really need when the year began, and they were so dedicated to, to really riding Jay Keeps into the future. And, and so, to me, you know, 10-3 and 3 will show up as 10-3 and 3 in the record books, but there's so much subtext that went into this year's season. There was so much going on that I find it one of the most fascinating seasons I've covered uh, at, at BYU. Yeah, it, it was a fascinating season, and I know you're a and, big... And, and, and going back to your question about, about accomplishments to celebrate, I will bring up some individuals, and I will say Cody Hoffman, and, and I'll say J.D. Falsleff. 
and, and I will say Ross Oppo and Kyle Van Noy and Preston Hadley and, and guys that, uh, that really raised the level of their game uh, to, to where they became hugely important pieces of BYU's puzzle this year. You know, who, can't, you know, who can't be incredibly excited about the next two years if there are two years for Cody Hoffman in a BYU uniform or another year or two for Kyle Van Noy? Uh, J.D. Falslev, you know, earning a scholarship through his play and then proving to be one of the most indispensable players on the team kind of out of nowhere. And so I think those are the kind of things I do want to celebrate and do want to note are how certain individuals kind of raise the level of their play to become marquee players for BYU. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There is a lot to celebrate, and that's one thing I do on the site for uh, the end of the year review is I just I make a big list of you know the, th the things I think should be celebrated, and I won't bore you with all of them. I mean, uh, and, and our, everybody who's listening because they've probably read them all already, but a couple that really stand out to me is that I mean, for the... For eight games this year, opponents were held under 100 yards rushing. That's the most ever under Bron a Bronco Mendenhall team since he took over in 2005. Uh, the three consecutive bowl wins, never before done. And this is the first time since 1968 through 1972 that BYU has won the season opener five times in a row. So... starting to seem like a trend where at least one game every year uh, this one it was the Utah game that I mean almost everything seems to unravel it falls apart and uh, you know the the final score ends up really uh, not telling you know how how closely matched the two teams are uh, how, how does how does BYU address this and and overcome it well I think I think it starts at um by the coaching staff and ultimately I think when it comes to BYU's offense it really it really it does come down to you know who your quarterback is and what he's trying to do and I think what, what if anything you know recent games have shown is that BYU needs to be much more balanced and much more diverse than they've proven to be in some of these bigger games you're talking about and, and not only that 
there has to be, and I, I don't know how you quantify this, there has to be a, a much more strident dedication to ball security. I, and and if, you, if you read Cougar Tracks at all, or earlier, earlier in the year, when they were having these, these meltdowns and these big games, I broke down just how the turnovers played out in, in, in the games against, quote-unquote, the big-name teams, the big games. And BYU's numbers are improbably bad. Uh, when it comes to turnover, turnover margin in those games, there has to be a top-to-bottom dedication, almost a fanatical attention to ball security that has not been there. And if that means that BYU decides to run the ball 45 times and pass it 20, simply because they'll, they'll, they'll have a better chance of ball security, then so be it. But there has to be a way to turn around what has been a fatal flaw in the big games, and that has been the turnover margin. It's almost entirely locked up in that one stat, and that has been the key in the meltdown. You look at this year's Utah game, the seven turnovers, and some are almost comical in their nature. Um, that, that is a mental thing. That is a mental thing. It can be fixed and must be fixed. Okay, yeah, let's, let's hope Bronco and the, the gang, they can get that fixed. Uh, let's talk quarterbacks now. Uh, we've already, you know, talked quite a bit about Riley Nelson, but uh, one thing that uh, a comparison you can't ignore, or that uh, a lot of people can't ignore, and some people uh, it, it kind of raises the hairs on the back of their neck. But Riley Nelson and Steve Young, both lefties, both mobile, um, but Steve Young's in the NFL Hall of Fame, and. I remember I had the College Football Hall of Fame as well. So, uh, I mean, how valid is it to compare Riley Nelson to Steve Young? Uh, but, let, I mean, to be fair, you know, in particular to Steve Young as a junior in 1982. You know, I, I guess I haven't really considered, um, you know, too deeply the comparisons because I, I, I guess I view Steve Young as, as a little more... Um, a little more athletically gifted and, and professionally um, prepared than maybe Riley Nelson, and perhaps because Riley's not planning on being a pro at the next level. But, but what Steve has and what Riley has in terms of the ability to make a play or extend the play is absolutely a common thread and a unifying trait. But I think maybe what, what Riley has that maybe Steve wasn't asked to really bring to the BYU team back then was this sort of... Um, a talisman-like uh, rallying cry for the team. You know, it's almost like, like, like Riley's presence inspires those around him offensively and defensively. And I really wasn't there in 82 or 83 to see how the team responded to Steve Young. But, but it's almost like, like there's just a, a bit of this, uh, um, you know, kind of a, a, a folk hero mentality that's going on right here. As you see Riley Nelson, you know, first of all, being told that he's going to back up the young hot shot and, and then he's being told by the coaches he's going to be uh, a safety. And, and then he's sitting and having to watch as Jay keeps struggles and, and Riley just does his job. And then he gets sent in and leads into a comeback win. And then they keep on winning. And then he gets hurt and he comes back early and they win again. And it kind of became this, this building story to where you realize that, wow, this kid's special. And, 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 I, and he inspires belief like maybe no other quarterback on the team. And, and then you realize just, just what this kid has going for him. And I, I guess I... I, I don't compare him so much to Steve, although the comparisons you brought up are absolutely valid. A left-hander who's mobile. Um, Steve 
was, was clearly a, a more accomplished passer, but there's time for Riley to be that too. I mean, Riley still has the whole senior season in front of him. And if he can stay healthy, he's proven the ability to throw the football well, not prolifically, and maybe not as purely as Steve Young, who didn't start as a great passer, by the way. But by the end of the season, Riley Nelson was, after all, 16th in pass efficiency nationally. And so um, the talent is there. He's not a terrible thrower. Uh, he certainly gets it to the right guys at the right time. I mean, there's there's a reason that you know Cody Hoffman and, and Ross Oppo combined for as many touchdowns as they did. Um, only a handful were from Jay Keeps. I mean, Riley Nelson got the job done that way. And so I'm excited to see what Riley does as a senior. Right? I I hope and pray that he stays healthy because I'd love to see what a 13 game Riley Nelson led BYU team could do with 29 seniors on that roster, including the senior quarterback. And as you know. When BYU puts a senior quarterback on the field, they're very, very tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they get hung up on the fact that Steve Young, he did become a, an incredible, incredible passer. You know, he's uh, the most efficient passer in NFL history, at least at the time he retired. But And, and nobody really sees Nelson as a great passer, but uh, in 1982... You know, Steve Young, he had a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. His, yeah. pa- his pass efficiency was well below what uh, what Riley Nelson had this year. And uh, in the wins-loss column, I mean, Nelson has a much better... Uh, uh, well, this year, I, I don't know what it is uh, if you include last year's games, but, uh, you know, Steve Young, he didn't start off with a great uh, winning percentage as a starting quarterback. But Nelson... Uh, you know, he, he only lost one game as a starter this year. Well, let me just, uh, since you're talking about it right now, I was just doing some work on this today, and um, Riley Nelson's win percentage, I, I think it's 10 and 6. Um, he's, yeah, he's had 10 starts, 7 and 3. So he has a 70% win rate at BYU. Yeah, yeah, and, and Steve Young was uh, after his junior year, he was sitting at nine and five. So, yeah, uh, so you know, there you go. So Riley's been a winner so far, at least uh, percentage-wise, and, and and that's only in ten starts. And so I, again, I I just want to see what a what a healthy Riley Nelson can do over thirteen games, and I hope he stays healthy. Yeah. All right, one thing uh, BYU fans were all notorious for is. Uh, high, high expectations, uh, thinking we can win the national championship every year or at least go undefeated. And, uh, you know, un- being going undefeated was kind of a real hot button going into the year. And, uh, of course, Jake Heaps was supposed to be, uh, you know, the next uh, Ty Detmer 1989. Uh, and now that the whole year is played out, is it not too much of a stretch to say that those expectations were fairly sort of realistic? Well, um, you know, clearly the, the BYU coaching staff thought one thing about their own team that was wrong. And so I, I think at that point, expectations are, are all up for, for you know, recalibration because they believed their identity would be one thing, and it turned out to be a different thing. They thought they had something that wasn't there. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's a good lesson for all of us that, that expectations. 
situations, you know, even from the coaching staff, the guys that know these guys best can sometimes be way off. Until the bullets start flying and until you're between the lines and it's time to make a play, you don't know what you've got. And the sooner you can find that out, the better, clearly. Um, and BYU was forced to find out through its schedule very early what they had. And, and the results were not all that encouraging. And they had to make some key, important, season-changing modifications um, to get themselves in a position to win 10 games, and they did. But I, I think it's a good lesson that uh, you know, expectations are just that. You can expect one thing and get entirely another. But uh, next year... With, with, with as many seniors as playing and a senior quarterback and ideally with, with a run game that leaves summer camp or fall camp ready to, to hit the ground running, literally and figuratively, BYU should be in great shape. And I really believe that's a huge deal next year. The one thing they were not able to do was run the football. They left camp thinking they could do it, but not thinking they would have to do it because they would throw the ball so well. Well, they didn't throw it well, and the run game wasn't prepared, and we saw what happened. I really expect BYU to um, to succeed next year. We'll have to come out of camp with a run game ready to roll, and that means designed runs by Riley Nelson, or, uh, you know, runs out of a traditional run game, hopefully featuring Yona Pritchard, and then just enough throws to keep BYU balanced and get the ball to guys like Cody Hoffman and Ross Apple, who can make any quarterback look really good even if the throw isn't perfect. I think next year could and should be a very, very good year for BYU. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I asked that question very well. I'm trying not to you know, put too many uh, words in your mouth and let you answer the questions, but I, I, I guess just from, from me, the way I see it, you know, the, the idea that BYU could have gone undefeated this year I don't think that was unrealistic for fans to expect, especially now that we see the way it played out. Uh, you know, Texas, we only lost by one point. It's, you know, play that game again, play TCU again, and even play Utah, I mean, with those seven turnovers. Play, play oh, yeah. those three games no, yeah, again, no. and, you know, we could very well win those games. Sure, if, yeah, if, if you win 10 of 13, you look at the three you didn't win, and, and Texas is a game that led in the fourth quarter. Uh, TCU's a game that if the punt team doesn't implode, they're right there in that one because defensively they were solid. And the Utah game, you lose by 44, it's tough to say we were right there. But, you know, seven turnovers totally changed the, the, the tone of that game, which was a game at halftime. So, um, sure, I mean, the only way we know now, um, the schedule was set up in not a terrible way for BYU. Had Riley Nelson been the guy from the get-go, who knows how BYU would have turned out. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll never know that. But I think that again, gives you a chance to go back and do it next year. And they'll get that shot next season. And, and a lot of the same pieces will be in place. And, and the schedule will have a lot of the same challenges that this year's had. More of them, actually. But, um, you know, the schedule strength is there to where if BYU did, you know, run off 11 or 12 wins, they'd be right at the top of the nation's teams. Yeah, and then the other half of that question was about, uh, you know, just the notion that Jay Keeps could improve by leaps and bounds from last year to this year, I think Riley Nelson proved that 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 notion isn't uh, isn't a, a bad notion for for people to have because you know it wasn't Jay Keeps who improved leaps and bounds, but Riley Nelson proved to us that you know a quarterback can make huge improvements from one year to the next because you know he he. We, we were all ready to write him off after last year. As you said, his head coach wanted to make him a safety because 
you know, just just that uh, confidence that he would become a passer wasn't there based on how he played. But now this year he ended up you know, 16th in the nation in pass efficiency. Okay. Uh, this next question, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it real well before I ask it because I wrote I did a whole write up about this and uh, kind of got uh, attacked or people didn't like it so much. But uh, going back one year. Uh, you know BYU in the New Mexico Bowl. We uh, beat UTEP pretty well, and uh, and you know, we go into the off season with a, with a, a real big win in the bowl. Uh, I read in uh, in Lee Benson's book, and they came to pass. You know Steve Young, he talks about 1982 when BYU just got creamed by Ohio State in the Holiday Bowl. And he said it was actually a good thing for them to lose in that game and it stayed with them all offseason and helped them all offseason and was one of the reasons why 1983 was such a special year. And we can also look back and there's other years, you know, 1995 BYU ended kind of a disappointment. They tied for the WAC championship but the string of 17 years in a row with a bowl game was ended. They didn't go to a bowl. And 2000, Lavelle's last year, uh, they finished 6-6, six and six, disappointment, but then they came back the next year, start off 12-0. and 0. So, no, knowing what we know now about the way uh, things turned out for 2011, would it maybe have been better for BYU if they had lost the bowl game? Uh, no. I, I think the same changes that would have been made... Um, after the bowl game would have happened, win or lose, that if they had a shakeup on the coaching staff, uh, Jake Keeps had shown enough promise that even with a loss, he still would have been the guy going into the next season. All you would have had was a losing season as opposed to a winning one, and I, I don't think that's that necessarily any any time any good. So I, I I think whatever was going to happen in 2011 would have happened regardless of the outcome of that one game in, in 2010. Um, I think the die had been cast. I think uh, you know the, the course had been set. Riley Nelson was injured, and last season he was not going to be available to, until right before spring. Uh, Jake was going to be the guy, I think, regardless. And BYU was still going to make changes in the coaching staff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it would make a big difference. Okay. All right. One final quarterback question. Uh, you know, BYU. The, the last two years, there's been. You know, instability, inconsistency, and, uh, you know, that's one thing we didn't have when Max Hall played for three years. Uh, but he was still kind of a polarizing uh, figure there at the quarterback position for BYU fans, despite his success. Uh, do you think the, the instability the, and the inconsistency these last two years have helped... Uh, you know, for those fans who didn't really uh, think Max Hall was that that good of a quarterback, and you think it's helped uh, them gain a greater appreciation for Hall? Well, I, I you know I guess I don't know who those fans are uh, that don't appreciate Max because I certainly did, and, and the people that I hang out with thought he was a heck of a quarterback and up his nails, and and Max embodied. Max with turnovers, but 
but, but that was the exception rather than the rule. And, and, and I mean, Max's numbers spoke for themselves. I mean, what he did in, in his three years was remarkable, uh, putting himself up there right with the all-time greats. And again, you know, who's going to forget that, that 59 nothing game versus UCLA when he throws for six first-half touchdowns and seven in the game? That's legit. And, and so I thought Max Hall was a, was a great quarterback for BYU. And, and, and you don't have those moments like 4th like, like and 18 or, or the overtime pass to Andrew George against Utah and, and not leave with a lot of special memories in the hearts of BYU fans. He did go 2-1 and one against Utah, and the two wins were epic. And so, um, you know, Max was a winner in my books. I hope there aren't too many people there that, that, that didn't appreciate him because I always did. And, and, and certainly what he did do was make you realize how tough it is to kind of start from scratch with someone that doesn't have any experience. And, and, and Riley and Jake did the best they could in 2010, but it was tough going from Max Hall to somebody with literally no experience. And, um, you know, there, there, there's no substitute for that. And again, Max, you know, had that redshirt season at BYU coming off his mission. He, it allowed him to grow up a little bit and have that scout team season and get some experience. And something Riley didn't have or Jake didn't have necessarily with the team that way. And um, that's maybe a good lesson there, too. But uh, Max was an all-timer. And, and I, I think Riley can, can be remembered that way, too, after a, hopefully a prolific senior season. Okay, uh, Justin Sorensen, the place kicker. He was uh, another player we had really high uh, hopes for, a lot of hype surrounding him this year. You know, an All-American kicker in high school. And, uh, I mean, he, he he was the Jimmer Fredette of uh, place kickers. You know, he was kicking field goals from uh, no man's land in high school. And so, uh, you know, we, we've all had uh, these... Uh, these dreams envisioning him, you know, trotting out to the field and kicking uh, a school record 59, 60-yard field goal. Uh, but after this year, you know, he still has no field goals over 50 yards. He only uh, was successful on 60% of his field goals. And Bronco Mendenhall was, uh, made some comments that Sorensen was complaining about uh, fatigue. Uh, how... How should we look at Sorensen and his progress? I mean, kickers are that's kind of a position where you you can almost expect them to step right in and perform well. It's not like uh, they got to get used to the yeah. speed well, of the game. Well, he's physically not right. Um, and and I'm, I'm not sure if, he'll have, if he peaked in high school or not. We'll soon find out. He's got two more years left, but he's physically not right. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall told us today that he has a bone spur in his back. It will either have to be shaved down or they'll work around it, but he's got he's got to have some back issues taken care of. And and, and you can tell in season that, 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 you know, the thump wasn't there off his leg, that he wasn't quite right. And they, and, and they mentioned a couple of things. They talked about leg fatigue. They mentioned his back pain. But now we're finding out he's got a bone spur in his back that has, has to be addressed medically. And who knows how much it really affected everything he was doing. But um, it's been disappointing to, to have someone with that much hype not be able to perform at the same level at the next level and and I will say this and this you know this gets kind of overlooked and people may say well you know who cares about this but um, you know he did he did set a BYU record this past season uh, you know most most PATs made without a miss mm -hmm. in a single season for BYU he was at least automatic there and so we'll give we'll, we'll give Justin that but clearly why he came to BYU with the reputation to kick long field goals and that hasn't happened to this point and again these are long careers. He has two more years left. He has a lot of time to prove himself. But, 
you know, this year it wasn't there. I, I, I have to go back and check on this. I think Riley Stevenson had as many or more touchbacks last year uh, than Justin Sorensen did this year. And, and early in the year, Justin was actually booming those kickoffs and had a string of touchbacks early, but he never really got that touchback. Um, you know, no pun intended. Um, and so, you know, there's time left for him, but, uh, you know, clearly there, there have been some, some physical issues that he has to address. Okay, yeah, that's that's uh, new information to me about the, the back injury. So. Yeah, yeah, Bronco told us about that today, so. Well, yeah, I hope he can get better. I have a, I have a lot of... I've, besides just him playing for BYU, I've got, uh, I'm a Bingham minor myself and actually played with his older brother in high school, so I'm pulling for him uh, to really uh, live up to the expectations as well for that matter. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Sorensen fan and, and fan of the family too. I know his brother a little bit and his dad and, and they're great people and, and Justin's a great kid and again, still got some time left. You know, he's got two more years to play and, and a lot can happen in two years. So you hope that he physically gets back, finds that thump again and, and is able to knock a few long ones in. Okay, one final question. Uh, this regarding Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, I've kind of noticed over the years, you know, he kind of came in and, you know, his, his demeanor was a lot uh, different than what I've, I've picked up on in recent recent years you know he, he really seemed uh, you know uh, you know he, he was kind of intimidating you know people were kind of uh, you know they didn't know uh, do we do we uh, ask this kind of question uh, do we can we say this can we tell a joke and you know now I know especially listening to him with you on uh, uh, the weekly coaches show uh, BYU football with uh, Bronco Mendenhall I think you call it uh, Wednesday nights on KSL. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he seems a lot more relaxed. Uh, you know, he tells jokes a lot more, and uh, uh, you know, so I mean, has has uh, I mean, because it seems like you know early on, because he came in when he came in, he you know he had a, a huge task. You know, uh, he was he did, he wasn't going to take anything for granted. You know, he he. You know, he 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 seemed to accept. You know, it's going to be really hard to turn this around and to to win. You know, as as you've alluded to already, that you know, any W is a is a is a good accomplishment. But now, you know, he seems so much more relaxed. You know, has has he lost an edge, and is that you know maybe uh, contributing to uh, to these uh, these uh, ball security issues that leads to the the big losses like uh, we you mentioned already? No, I, 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 I just don't see, I mean, well, you know, how, how do you measure, you know, relaxed, I guess, because the, the timetable he keeps and, and the schedule he keeps in terms of dedication to the early hours and making sure that every minute is filled with a task that, that, that equates to something that results in a win on game day, I see that every day. And, and I see the dedication he asks of himself and his players. I don't think there's, I mean, clearly, when, when you're at BYU, there, there's a certain security and a knowledge that, um, and, and a peace of mind that comes with um, the job you're doing, why you're doing, and why you're doing it, and who you're doing it with. I mean, this, this isn't a typical college football environment. And so naturally, um, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're going to feel less tension, less stress, less anger, less volume, 
um, in, in all the different facets of, of, of that BYU football life. But, but yet, you know, it's been in three or it's 11 and two or it's, you know, ranked every year. It, it's still results. I mean, there are a lot of coaches who, who scream and yell and sleep on their cots at, at the office that are racking up four and eight and six and six. And, and so I, I, I think I have to say the results speak for themselves. And we all grow up. And he's now a 45-year-old guy, and he's he's different than he was when he was 35. And considering coming to BYU as a defensive coordinator, and I I can see someone that's, that that's grown into the job, matured, yet still gets uh, fanatical devotion from his players. I mean, they they love playing for that guy. I think you can see that too. I, I think you can see that 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 these guys really do, you know, respect, admire and play hard for their head coach. And not every team feels that way about their coach. You don't have to be their best friend or their buddy, but you have to have their respect and you have to inspire their their devotion and dedication and hard play on game day. And that they give him. And so I, I really don't think that, that he's mellowed uh, or, or, or relaxed to the point where he's not um, getting the kind of results he would have asked for 10 years ago because he still is. But clearly, he's grown up and grown into the job, and he's learned as he's gone, and he's learned what to stress and what not to stress, what to sweat and what not to sweat, and I think he's got a real good balance going right now. Okay, well, that's all the questions I got for you, Greg. Thank you very much. Uh, I've really enjoyed your uh, unique insights. Again, you've got uh, a perspective that uh, almost nobody else has on BYU football, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing uh, your thoughts and ideas. Well, it's my pleasure, and especially you know, as, as it relates to Bronco, I do get to see him up close, um, you know, in, in places that other people don't, you know, in the coach's locker room before the game, in his office during the week, and and the things that I see, especially as they relate to Bronco, um, really have have kind of shown me, you know, how to be um, a, a productive and a successful head coach at BYU, um, satisfying all the different demands you've got to satisfy doing it for the right reasons and still getting the results at the end of the day. And so hopefully, you know, these double-digit seasons keep on rolling in and, and hopefully bigger and better things are out there. And hopefully that, you know, that, that, that BCS bowl is still down the line and the BCS still means something, you know, down, down the line. And, and hopefully uh, better things are in store. Yeah, we're all we're all hoping for that. And uh, I can't think of any, any anyone who deserves that more than Bronco Manhall. So again, thank thank you very much, and uh, and go Cougars! All right, thanks to you, and, and good luck with everything. All right, thank you.